Coming up, a review of Scotland's performance at the Cricket World Cup League 2 Tri-Series with Namibia and Nepal. This is the Cricket Scotland podcast. Ball out there, give Hamilton any wits, he'll take you. Captain Catherine Bryce comes under it, she won't make any mistake. That's the first wicket for Scotland. Six to win and Richie Barrington has finished it with a six. And that's the win for Scotland, they've secured the Super over. Oh, must be out. Welcome, and as you can tell from perhaps the slightly echoey uh, surroundings that we're in, at the moment we're in person here at Cricket Scotland HQ with Clara and Andrew. Nice to be back today on this very warm day, Andrew. It's absolutely roasting in this room. The, half of this room is windows, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a toasty day on, on Monday today. But good to see you both in person. Very nice to be here. Not like we've spent all week together anyway that's True. fine yeah it, it has been it has been a, a a busy week i think we've all seen each other quite a lot yes tell us uh, tell us about your week clara i i've had a big week this week was the first time i've ever done game day media live in person with brocky as my incredible tutor he's giving such face right now <laughs> um yeah so i've learned a lot about game day media had lots of fun and obviously had my graduation as well so Big week for me in the progression of um, growing up. <laughs> uh, certainly has been becoming an adult before, you know. <laughs> yeah, scary no. times. And, and uh, congratulations on your graduation Thank as well. You. First class honours. Yeah, yeah, Fantastic, Medieval University. Um, <laughs> and you mentioned the, the, the media as uh, Brocky's been involved in that too. Uh, of course, the, the, the great content that we've seen on the Cricket Scotland uh, Twitter feed and Facebook and socials. Good week for you there, Brocky, as well. It was really good fun. Uh, it was the same experience for me, and it was the first time I've covered games live uh, on deck, and gives you just a bit more chance to get in amongst it and sort of show what it's like to be on in and amongst an international fixture. And the players and staff and the people organising the event couldn't have made it easier for myself and Clara to do what we needed to do in, in covering the games and. It was a lot of fun. By the time we got to Sunday, which was yesterday, I was completely wiped um, and was pretty glad that we managed to get a win very quickly on that one. But uh, yeah, a really good week and uh, uh, looking forward to doing it again. Absolutely. Very intense week, but lots and lots of fun. And as you say, we were looked after really well by Clydesdale and Air. It was great. So let's start with that. Let's have a look back over that Cricket World Cup League Two tri-series, uh, Scotland's second tri-series at home, in which the team ended up with three victories and one defeat against Namibia and Nepal. Um, so overall, what's your impression of Scotland's performance, Rocky? Yeah, I think if you ask them, uh, would you take three from four from the series? They would have probably said yes. Um, I think that one loss will probably eat at them because I think they probably feel that they're a much stronger team than Nepal. But getting two wins over Namibia, uh, especially given the World Cup last year, that will have been maybe exercising a few demons for them and uh, giving them a lot of confidence 
going forward into a busy schedule. But knowing the group, I know how the games went. They would have wanted four from four and felt that they maybe could have got four from four. But yeah, as I say, if you asked them before the series, would you take three from four? They definitely would have done. So I think they will be overall very happy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll we'll touch on that game that they lost to Nepal um, in a, a little moment. So if we have a look at it game by game, the Scotland kicked off the series at uh, Titwood against Namibia, posted 258 for six, uh, which was a record ODI score on that ground. I mean, there was a lot of talk around about, you know, the total 270, 280 maybe being par, but there was certainly a feeling in the Scotland camp Clara, that when when they came off, that 258 was was going to be enough. Yeah, so obviously George got 70 or thereabouts, and Callum McLeod scored 50. But as George was saying, like they obviously put on pretty good individual scores themselves. Maybe they could have squeezed a few more out, but obviously in the end they didn't really need to bowling um, Namibia out for 181. So I don't know a lot about grass, but I f- think it went all right. <laughs> I don't know a lot about grass, <laughs> but I think it went all right. Yeah. Analysis. Yeah, Clara. that's. I've I've never claimed to be the stats person. That's very much Jake's job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. It it was uh, you know a few more a few more runs out there potentially, but they'd done the the hard work and what they they showed in that innings. I thought Brocky was was the importance of of grafting, uh, which is something that we didn't really see. Uh, particularly from Nepal, which we'll come to in, in, in a little while, I'm sure. But um, the importance of just digging in where they needed to, getting the, getting a total on the board, which, uh, as Clara said, 258 was more than enough in the end. Yeah, I think this is the tough part about when you're playing as an international cricketer and you're playing all over the world. Every single pitch you play on is different. You need to adapt your game every single time. And... I would suggest from this series it's been a bit tougher to fluently score runs and uh, especially for someone like George who has this reputation as a big hitter but we all know he's just a very good batter um, and whatever role he's needed to take on he will take on and sort of showing everyone that not only can he hit the ball out of the park but when he's needed to just dig in and um get the team a total that they can defend, uh, he can do it. So that was a, a really impressive innings from George and well supported by um, by Callum as well. Absolutely. And then really followed up with the with the ball early in roads. Uh, those uh, three quick wickets, two and two for Hamza Tahir, who had a fantastic series once again. Uh, but it was Safian Sharif that brought it home. Five for 35, his, his maiden... ODI Pfeiffer on home soil, his second overall. He bowled fantastically well, didn't he, again? Yeah, I mean, he's been so steady for Scotland in the past few years. Probably one of the most reliable with the ball, but not only reliable, but dangerous as well. And um, to have him leading your attack and defending a total like that, it was... It was really impressive, and I think all the bowlers really supported him well there. Um, but uh, a brilliant effort from Safi to sort of start the series off with a real 
positive intent and and show what um what he can do. So I was I was really impressed with his with his spell. Yeah, and a particularly cheesy moment with Peter Panna, I described Safi as Scotland's postman. You know, he always delivers. I <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm glad I didn't hear that one. <laughs> But anyway, we move on. As Scotland did, they had a day or an extra day off. Uh, it was uh, Namibia's double header uh, to start off the the tournament. They went on to air to play Nepal, and then Scotland faced uh, Nepal and got completely turned over. You have to say it was you would say it was a good toss to win, but Nepal certainly made the most of it. They bowled really, really well, exploited the full. I thought Sandeep Lamashani captained really well in keeping his seamers on rather than rotating because that was obviously what was uh, what was doing the damage. Lots of catches uh, behind the wicket for, for Kushal Patel and a really good performance that they followed up then with the bat, Nepal. Yeah, it was really impressive, to be honest. Um, certainly the first time I've seen Nepal play live and... Uh, I thought their bowlers on that day looked like they bowled pretty quick as well. It looked like they were really, really getting it through, and the it did not look fun to bat uh, with how well they were bowling. And um, it was the ball was just doing enough, and they were getting the edges that they needed to get and taking their catches. It was a really impressive first performance, which was really interesting because I thought that game that they played with the bat and the ball, they showed a lot of intent throughout the game which by the time we got to Sunday, which obviously we'll get to, just feel like it was a completely different um, energy that they brought. Um, but they came really hard in that game and I think maybe maybe shocked the Scotland team a little bit with um, with what they produced and not even relying on Lamashani um, for, for it, who's probably their lead bowler, letting their seamers do the work. Uh, so I, I would totally agree with you. Really impressive captaincy and... Um, gave themselves a really good chance to win that game and then impressive with the bat as well. Yeah, Scotland very reliant on their lower order to to get to some sort of defendable total. Uh, Mark Watt with 17, uh, Safi Sharif with 16. Uh, fantastic knock though from Gavin Main. His maiden uh, ODI, maiden list A, half century, 64 or 59 balls. He played so well, with, well, he bowled so well all the way through the tournament, but with the bat there, he really showed what he could do. For a guy that bats 10, 11, usually for the team, he just looks so comfortable. It, it wasn't a sort of uh, flashy, uh, streaky innings from a, he batted nine, I think, in that game, but um, it, wasn't, it wasn't streaky. He looked comfortable from ball one and maybe just, he's obviously got a solid technique, but um, maybe just showing, as I'm sure a couple of the, the lower order batsmen in this Scotland team have done, just give him a nudge and say, look, if you need an all-rounder, maybe I'm the guy. Um, so I was really impressed with how Gav went about it. He didn't, he didn't look rushed. Um, he just took his time uh, and really impressive maiden 50 for him. Certainly was, and I said on on commentary um, a lot as well about uh, Hamza Tahir's contribution to that. You know, seven runs, but forty three balls. He did a fantastic job in staying with with Maine, who was just on fire. Seven fours and a six, he hits, which uh, which really stands out in that uh, in that Scotland card as the two put on forty nine for the last wicket. We've talked about Hamza's improvement. Uh, he's always been a very good bowler, but we've talked about how much he's improved with 
um, with uh, his ability in the field. And he's obviously just shown it there. While he's not had much of an opportunity in ODI cricket to bat, he's just shown that he has got uh, at least the technique to um, to help build a partnership. And um, it, just sort of a testament to the hard work that he's put in on all aspects of his game to be to be an elite player. And you, you know, even if you're batting 11, you're still a batter. You've still got a job to do. So uh, it, as much as it didn't lead to a win, it gave us a sniff. Um, so it was it was very impressive. And uh, uh, it sort of shows that, yeah, 1 to 11, no matter what, even if you see yourself as just a bowler, you're still a batter. You've still got a job to do. So, yeah, really impressive from Hamza. Yeah, as you said, that, that total of 144, um, I thought gave Scotland more than a, a sniff at the halfway point. I think they, you know, they would have been obviously up against it but confident that they could have pulled that back but especially then the rain arrived which freshened the pitch but I remember we had a conversation uh, that the that the rain didn't quite have the effect that we'd all sort of anticipated that it might have done well I remember I was actually just going to say I remember having a conversation with you at the halfway stage and uh, I was at the time I was about 50 50 and you were quietly confident that Scotland were going to pull out a win because of one, our seamers, and that was the game that they'd gone in with the extra seamer as well. But two, the drizzle that had come around and as you say, maybe juice up the pitch. But as I was walking around the boundary and I think we were 10 overs in and um, Nepal had started their chase pretty well, I spoke to Safi and he said, I think it's just been too much rain. It's just it's too wet. And it's just killed the pitch a little bit. Um, we're not getting the the carry or the juice that um, Nepal got. So potentially the uh, conditions weren't in Scotland's favour that day. Um, but uh, you've still got to give credit to Nepal for the way they went about the chase. Um, their intent with the bat, but also the way they ran between the wickets. Um, it was really, really impressive. It looked exhausting, but <laughs> yeah. did a really good job. No, no, you're absolutely right. I was just going to say exactly the same thing because the way that Nepal came out and approached that chase was really, really impressive. They were positive from ball one, uh, got away to a, a 47 run opening stand, and as if Sheikh followed it on 71 off 63, which in the context of the game was was a, a really pretty remarkable performance. Rohit Powdell left not out with 34 at the at the end. So, yeah, well worth their, their victory, uh, Nepal, that day. And so then Scotland came back with the pressure on them somewhat uh, to play the second game against Namibia. What was your feeling after that, uh, that first innings, Namibia posting 215 for seven? If you want my true feelings about how I felt about that 50 overs, it was a very slow 50 overs. It was cagey, I would say, and definitely would have thought after that um, after that 50 overs at Scotland would have felt very confident about chasing that down. It didn't look, again, it didn't look flat. It didn't look like a batter's paradise. There was definitely something in it for the bowlers. But um, at halfway, uh, I definitely thought that it was a it was a game for Scotland to win, uh, and I also at halfway thought because that was the day that Clara was actually graduating, uh, and I thought that maybe this was a good one to miss because it looks like it's just going to sort of um, maybe be like a 
a seven wicket victory and just quite comfortable and not too much in terms of coverage and then what happened next was uh, was truly exhausting, uh, very entertaining as well. <laughs> oh yeah, I was I, I was checking the scores throughout the day just to see what was going on, and I was like, oh, looks pretty boring. Whatever, that's fine. Not missing out on much. And then I get to my graduation dinner, I think, oh, I'm just gonna check the scores again, and I'm like, oh, it's actually got very interesting very quickly right at the end and I was um texting Brocky saying I'm absolutely fuming <laughs> the most that I sat through that. The full Scotland game on Wednesday in the rain, <laughs> and then missed the like possibly one of the most exciting parts the next day. But I guess that's just the way things go. But at least I was interested from the dinner table. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was fantastic. We'll come to that in a wee sec. I mean, uh, just looking just back at that first innings for a wee second, the three wickets for, for Hamza Tahir, uh, who we'll talk about again in a second. But Gavin Main, 338, he'd taken a three for the day before. Just a single wicket in the first game against uh, Namibia where he bowled so much better than that. He, he, he really created pressure that led to, uh, led to wickets, bowled a couple of maidens in there. But, but Main was, uh, we've talked about his batting, but it was fantastic with the ball, I thought, this, uh, this series. Yeah, he bowled uh, quick, I would say. He was very, very impressive. And the one thing uh, I was actually just noting down on my pad um, was that we need to remember that they played four games, four ODIs in eight days. That's a lot of cricket. And especially for the Seamers, uh, that is a lot of overs that you need to get through. So for Safi and Gav, who both played all four games, that's a really tough stint. And they both bowled really well all the way through the series. But yeah, Gav in that game... Again, he was a bowler that just did not look fun to face. There were some that were flying through to Crossy, um, some serious carry. Um, but yeah, re- really, really happy for Gav as well. Not, not only with the bat that he's uh, he's flying, but um, he's really had a good twenty twenty two and really stepped up as to maybe someone that was maybe sitting on the fringes a little bit of that uh, Scotland team and maybe a bit in and out to. If you're picked in four games as a seamer out of four, it means you're one of the first names on the team sheet. So fair fair play to Gavin has been really impressive. Uh, so really, really happy for Gav. Yeah, really important series, I think, for Gavin Main Scotland career. Um, after the disappointment of missing out on the, the T20 World Cup, um, he's right back in, in contention, as you say, one of the first names on the team sheet with this uh, over, over this uh, this series. He was He was terrific. And then we got to the Scotland chase, which uh, began with the relatively early loss of, of Karl Kutzer um, with the, the score on three. But then Scotland were cruising. You know, Matthew Cross, Callum McLeod batting beautifully, got the score up to up to 80 in the, in the 19th over, seemed pretty untroubled. Callum McLeod on his way to another 50. And then the wheels fell off. Yeah, there was a period where it was fairly comfortable and uh, Cloudy was looking at like his fluid best um, and uh, supported by Crossy as well. And then there was a period just after Crossy got out and Munzee came in, everything just slowed down a bit and it just looked, for whatever reason, it just got tough and any runs were tough to come by. And um, that's where the momentum shifted and it was either going to go the way of they battled through and got um, 
and got through that period and and got a few boundaries and and cruised home or then maybe we're going to get the wickets because the pressure was building and it ended up that the wickets start coming it was the the classic drinks break wasn't it it was just at uh, just at drinks uh which came after the end of the 18th over that little break in concentration i mean i thought that that cross and mcleod looked as i say completely untroubled beforehand uh, but Ben Congo came on, uh, Jan Freilink as well, who bowled really well all the way through the tour uh, too. And yeah, suddenly the runs dried up, the wicket started tumbling and the pressure was on uh, until the entry of a certain Chris Greaves, who with Safian Sharif took it home. An absolutely incredible partnership, an incredible finish. In the end, with seven balls to spare, which was quite remarkable looking at how difficult scoring had been through the game but just the way that these two went about it was was just incredible it was really impressive i'm uh i'm gonna pull up a text i got from clara uh while she was (laughs) um and i won't say what she said before but uh it was in regards to where scotland were in the game and i replied to it's game on and then she replied with 49 from 37, I'd like to see it. <laughs> and then the next text I sent her was half an hour later where I said, told you, and that was obviously when we won. Um, but yeah, uh, I remember talking uh, to Grievo and Safi after the game and asking them what was going through their heads in that partnership. And they were just talking about, look, if we get it to the last three overs and we're still here, we're massively in the game. And once they got to that last three overs and they needed around 30 runs, I think, um, they they decided the third last over was the over they were going to take down. And uh, Jake, you'll know better than me, but I believe it was 19 off that over. It was. Yeah, excellent. My memory's good. <laughs> um, but the way both Greville and Safi went about that partnership, they took risks at the right time. And they needed to take risks because it wasn't at a canter but they they picked their spots and they picked their shots that they are obviously strong at. And I mean, some of Grievo's lap sweeps or just conventional sweeps um, were, it, it's very difficult to set a field to. And, uh, and Grievo in that period going to his maiden, maiden ODI 50, um, what a time to do it. It certainly was. And Shades of Bangladesh in the T20 World Cup when he came in at, what was it, 53 for six and did what he did with, with Mark Watt. I mean, he's a, he's a player that makes things happen, Chris Cruz. And it, and it just epitomised for me the performance of both of them. I mean, how many guests have we had on the podcast over, over the years that we've been doing this who have put in great performances but have said things like, well, I know that if it wasn't me, it would have been someone else. This is the, the benchmark of, of this team and, it, and its culture. It's that someone is always looking to put their hand up, you know, that they're not happy for the, the kind of narrow defeat, the plucky defeat, the whatever. Um, they're looking to take the game to the opposition, whenever that may be. And it just said so much about the culture of this side that, they, that they're able to do it. We saw it in the two games with Oman. That amazing catch from, from Hamza Tahir that crowned that crowned that victory. But, you know, Oman had three wickets in hand, um, needing not many going into those last those last overs, and Scotland closed it out. Likewise, Mark Watt with Adrian Neal 
you know that uh, that driven four <laughs> to bring up the, the win with a couple of balls to spare I mean this is something you can never count this Scotland side out no, I think that England game back in 2018, that was the watershed moment where they realised that's the best team in the world and we've beaten them and we can beat anyone. We've always had this mentality in the past, and I'm talking years ago, where it was uh, an almost team where, well, we've got good players and we'll give good performances and we'll, we'll, we'll play our part. And this team aren't about playing their part. They're there to win and they are not happy when they don't win. Um, and you can see that after the game they lost against Nepal, they were not happy. And um, they are demanding more and more of each other as well. Um, and this isn't their limit. This isn't their level. They're looking to go higher and higher. They want to be competing with the best in the world and the best thing about cricket is you get so many of these games where um you maybe feel like you're a stronger team but you get yourself in in a rut and you need to dig your way out and the best teams dig their way out and they've shown especially in that game how they can stand up and whether it's if it's not Munzee or it's not Barrow um that was a big thing I noticed about this series Barrow's not had a fantastic series and it's brilliant for him to get his first series as captain but um, not his series with a bat but they still got three from four and maybe they've relied a lot on Barrow in the past um, past year but everyone else stood up this series so yeah. um, no, I was I was really impressed with that. Yeah I was just gonna say it's interesting to see that for at least two of the games they got down to their bowlers and the bowlers pulled through in the batting and I think that's really good to see that obviously in the Scotland Nepal game when they did when all of the top order just nicked off and I <laughs> we were just watching like what is going on like how is this happening but then even though obviously they lost that game for the bowlers to be able to put in the shift at the end to at least try and not give up is really good to see and I think with Grivo as well especially yesterday his energy in the field is just so palpable really you can hear him from the boundary you can hear him all the way through the game and I think that's exactly what Scotland needs in a situation like this where they're thinking oh like this has gone wrong but it's not done and I think the energy that they had on um, in yesterday's game compared to Wednesday's was just completely different and I think that's probably what made a massive difference as well to the mentality of everyone thinking oh like that one game on Wednesday happened but that's not how we play. That's not how we do things. We're coming in and doing it better and we're doing it again. And then yesterday's performance was completely different to Wednesday. And that just shows that, as you were saying, Rocky, the mentality of everyone going and thinking we should be able to win, we're going to win. And they bounced back from it from the next day. That was Wednesday exactly. to Thursday, yeah. it was really, really impressive. And it's funny you'd say that about Grievo because I remember on the Thursday, I said to, he was just in the field um, and I said, Oh, how how are you feeling about being back involved in the team? Because he'd been on the bench, um, and he was just so excited to be on the pitch. Like he he's just got, he just wants to play cricket, and he was just so excited that he was that he was picked and he was involved. But even when he's not picked, he's he's still got that energy, and that's something that, that's really been impressed with the squad. Um, obviously, Soli's had uh, a few games on the bench there, um, but his energy. I mean, if there's one person that has infectious energy, <laughs> it's Chris Soul. Soul. <laughs> uh, and his energy was fantastic. And Adrian as well. And, uh, and Lee Skews obviously sat out the last game, but he was fantastic. And 
it is a real squad effort um, that I feel like they've got at the moment. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, to pull through on that win, uh, you, it's so impressive. And it that kind of stuff just builds builds camaraderie and just builds energy within the team. That was fantastic. Yeah, I couldn't agree more um, about all of that. And Chris Greaves, a, a man who's waited a while for his Scotland chance, I mean, first picked to tour Oman at the start of 2019, but didn't make his debut until just before the T20 World Cup just passed. Uh, but a cricketer that makes things happen, I think he's uh, he's quite a quite a find and done himself again, like Gavin Mayne, done himself a power of good with this uh, with this series. It's uh, as you say that attitude as well as ability is just fantastic. And so we come to well, what is yesterday as we record today. The final game of the the series where Scotland played the second game against Nepal with with a point to prove, um, and boy did they do it! Defeating Paul by a mammoth eight wickets, bowling Mount first of all for 128 inside 36 overs, and then chasing it down with uh, a full 31 overs to spare. It was a pretty emphatic kind of performance to end end the tour. Yeah, it was. I spoke to Shane after the game, and the one thing he said was that was the performance we wanted. That was the one that they've been searching for for a while, where they got on top of a team and then they just put the foot on the pedal and just won comfortably. Very, very impressive. First of all, with the spinners, the spinners were outstanding. Um, with Hamza with four and Wati with three, uh, really good. When both of those guys perform. It's going to be really tough for the heel position. <laughs> yeah. It's very tough to score runs. And maybe one guy that got forgotten a little bit yesterday with the ball yesterday was Safi, who was just so good and maybe very unlucky, I would say. Um, probably yeah, seven deserved. overs with 12 runs, but Pro- completely ignored because of no wickets. But Yeah, Sa- yeah Safi with the ball was uh, really impressive and definitely unlucky not to get a few wickets but a very impressive performance with the ball and in the field uh we can't not mention the fact that Cal McLeod took four catches as yes. well <laughs> equaling <laughs> the record that Patel had set um a couple of games before um yeah you're absolutely right I mean another two wickets for Gavin Main uh two for 44 but it was a a game that belonged to the spinners four for 26 for Hamza three for 19 for Wattie I mean Watching the two of them, as you say, on song is just such a good experience if you're a Scotland fan. I love watching Mark Watt, the way he varies subtly every single ball. I was saying on the commentary that no two consecutive balls are the same with Mark Watt. He's done something different every time, whether it's the flight, whether it's the angle, whether it's his delivery stride. Sometimes he'll go straight through the crease. Sometimes he'll just drag his back foot just a little, just to hold it up a, a touch. He doesn't let the batsman get into a rhythm against him, which is a crucial thing. And then with Hamza, really fizzing the ball through the air, there was a fantastic clip that you, you guys put up on the Cricket Scotland socials of Hamza taking a wicket, and it was from behind. It was sort of gr- from ground level, which is obviously the angle that we don't see very often but you see the ball fizz through the air and turn through the air that drift that was a really really good indication um of 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 Hamza to here and, and exactly what he brings I mean the two of them just bowled fantastically well yeah they're two very different bowlers as well they are both left arm spinners but you couldn't say that they are similar bowlers they are very very different the way they operate and 
complement each other very well. Um, yeah, if you're stuck facing 20 overs of that in the middle, um, I'd probably just walk off and give up, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, it was uh, it was very impressive. I saw one cricket ball that Watty bowled. And Watty's obviously very strong because his cricket ball, which he doesn't really change his action with, is really fast. <laughs> and it just looks absolutely horrible to face. But yeah, no, they... Um, Really impressive uh, by everyone in the field uh, and with the ball and uh, gave the batters a, a nice platform um, to go and knock them off. Yeah, just uh, looking at the at the stats, just three boundaries conceded by Hamza Tahir off his, uh, his seven overs and five balls. Only one conceded by Watt off his eight. Uh, and then, as you say, yeah, wow, what a way to, uh, what a way to make a statement uh, they needed to after... Uh, the the reverse fixture earlier on and and boy did they did they do so Chris McBride uh, opening on his home ODI debut with Carl Kutzer uh, Matthew Cross had dropped down we thought to number six uh, on the team sheet that we that we had so a slight sort of structural change to to Scotland's batting um, McBride played nicely for for ten good opening partnership of forty two got Scotland away and then it was all about Kutzer and McLeod. When um, Callum came in was about the time that Brocky had decided he'd had enough and wanted to work on his own. So I thought, oh, I'll go for a little lap. And um, as I was coming around to the clubhouse side, I just stood watching and every other ball that Callum McLeod hit came straight towards us, straight to the clubhouse, swept along the ground, smacked along the ground, just out of reach of deep mid wicket every single time. And he hit some of the biggest sixes I've ever seen in real life. And it just looked so easy. I think that was the most impressive thing about it. Hitting 64 off 29 balls is insane anyway. But the way he went about it, he was just completely unbothered. And then comparing that to the game, obviously on Wednesday, where the top order were very bothered and fell very quickly. Amazing to see, really, for even just as a fan. I think that was like a really, really exciting way to finish the series. Yeah, it was hard to come up with new superlatives actually it was just imperious uh mcleod's not coming we talked about uh, all of the other players uh, that put their hands up for scotland but callum mcleod came into that series not having really had a big score certainly since the since the pandemic since the the kind of the restart after that he got some starts but hadn't really really pushed on so came in perhaps under a feeling under a little bit of, of of pressure to find to find a big score to find some runs, but two fifties for Scotland and then that third one off just twenty two balls seven fours two sixes it was just imperious. He was the Callum McLeod of old. I would say that was something that. Maybe in the role that he's been playing in the past few years, uh, some of the past couple has maybe been a bit more of a facilitator and a rotator, but that was that was the Cal McLeod that you don't want to bowl at. That's the Cal McLeod that you want on your team, and um, it was so impressive. There is a rumour that I heard from one of the other players in the team that maybe one of the Nepalese players said something to him and it just flipped the switch and uh, he just said, all right, I'm finishing <laughs> this going. game quickly. Um, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, actually. The ball went backward and coming forward sometimes, I feel. <laughs> he did look merciless. Like, every single ball was just absolutely dispatched. The way the way he went to his 50, there were two shots that really stood out to me. One, obviously, the six that went to the school that was 
a monster. That was ridiculous. But also, the way he went to his 50, that cover drive that he hit, and you know a cover drive is good. If you hit the cover drive, you don't move, and you know it's for. And just the way that he went about that shot and the... I don't want to say the word arrogance, but it's that that confidence that he had on that game. That was it was a bit of a swagger about the way he was batting, and that maybe that's the nudge that he's needed. Like he's had a good series, a couple fifties, but that that innings was different. That was something that other teams are going to look at and go, "Oh, we don't want we don't want that. We don't want that Calm turning up to our game." So um, I'm really happy for him. Really impressed with with that innings and. Um, Kyle, who didn't bat slowly, was basically playing a facilitator role, which I don't know if he's done too many times in his career. Um, but uh, and and Callum was so so good and uh, so impressive and hit too many boundaries. Didn't even let Kyle get to his fifty. <laughs> That's true. That's a really good description. Actually, there was a style, there was a swagger about that knock from Callum McLeod. Put me in mind of that England game. Uh, very very similar. Uh, way that he played using his sweep really well and when it was when it was up it was off as they say um yeah one other uh, shot that sticks in my mind is the one that landed on the roof of the commentary tent we saw it coming straight for <laughs> us and it was like whoa just hear, hang on <laughs> hear yours and peter's panic on the other side of the media tent peter go whoa and i was like oh my gosh what's going on <laughs> it was thudded onto the canvas overhead so i mean yeah i mean just a fantastic fantastic knot and Kyle gets a 44, um, not out seven fours in there at a mere strike rate of 84.62 uh, compared to Callum, who was going at 220.69. I mean, yeah, he wanted that. He wanted that job done. So overall, then, a really, uh, I thought, very satisfying performance for Scotland. As you said at the top, they would certainly have taken three and one. Sets them up very, very nicely for the next tour, uh, which is again going to be in Scotland. Next round of Cricket World Cup League Two, when the USA and UAE are visiting. Yeah, that should be a good series and good to see um, cricket played up in Manafield again. Uh, some international games up there. Um, but also want to give a shout out to to Clydesdale unfortunately I didn't make it to air for for those games but certainly from what I experienced at Clydesdale I was really impressed with with the whole setup there and the the venue and ended up producing some really good games of international cricket um but yeah they are set up very well for the next series and I feel like they will be confident going into those series and I think after that last game like those last two games getting a win like that against Namibia where it was getting over the line when maybe you shouldn't have and then thumping the ball those those give you real confidence so i feel like they will be confident to the the next uh series of games um but also what they've got their eyes set on next as i'm sure you're about to bring up is new zealand uh and that's some um that's really exciting that's going to be a great great few days it definitely is two t20s and an odi coming up and ju- just before we mention that just to echo your your, your words about Clydesdale there about air again fantastically well looked after at air Steve Baker and the team great pitch great facility uh, as we know but uh, yeah some great games out there between Namibia and Nepal and so Clara New Zealand are coming up on the horizon some excitement of uh, of a full member coming to town what's your, your thoughts looking ahead to that 
I'm excited to do the media. I, well, I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot of interesting um, content to get, really. I'm expecting competitive games. Um, and obviously, as someone who's quite new to the world of cricket as well, I'm just excited to watch a big team like New Zealand play. I want a show for for the media side of things. And I'm hoping that's what we're going to get with the confidence that Scotland have now following that series and... Obviously, New Zealand have just beaten Ireland three times in a row as well. So they're both coming off a pretty good series of wins. So I think it will be a nice, fiery, competitive situation. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Yeah, we're massively looking forward to it. It's going to be a great series coming up. And just before we leave Cricket World Cup League 2, just a word about Namibia and Nepal as well. Namibia went away with two wins and two losses. Um, And as you said, Brocky, disappointed against... Uh, against Scotland because they did play some some excellent cricket through the uh, through the the series. I mean, we were expecting a lot from their bowling lineup in particular, and that definitely delivered. Um, I thought Jan Freilink bowled beautifully. Um, I know that you weren't at the games at air, but he used those conditions really well with his with his cutters and variations, and made life really tough for Nepal. And he bowled beautifully against uh, against Scotland too. Um, Gerhard Erasmus, who did the damage against uh, against Scotland with a three foot in the first game, underbowled himself. I thought sometimes uh, I thought he bowled very nicely. Certainly, George Munsey said that he was a little um, concerned of the, the bounce that Erasmus was getting, which negated his reverse sweep. And Bernard Schultz, uh, who took a fifer in the final game that Namibia played against Nepal, too. That's his maiden ODI fifer. Uh, he bowled extremely well. Too so so lots of lots of good performances um, coming from the the bowling side of things and then with the bats, Gerhard Erasmus with a couple of fifties, uh, Nicol Lofty Eaton two fifties back to back in the first games, uh, Freiling got a sixty against Scotland, Daniel Lecoq did really well coming back from an absolute nightmare start where he got a first baller, dropped three catches, he got a first baller in the the A game as well, but came back. Uh, in great style to really get the innings going. Um, so I think for Namibia looking forward, uh, they'll be really pleased with uh, with his contribution. And then uh, and then Nepal. What was your your thoughts looking then at at Nepal? Nepal obviously got some very good individual players, and um, what stood out to me was just the difference between the way they went about the two games. I feel like if they'd brought the same energy on Sunday that they did on Wednesday, then that game could have been a lot more interesting, a lot tighter. But I just feel like maybe it was the because it was the last game of the series and maybe there were some tired legs out there or some tired heads out there. They just didn't seem to have the same energy. And the way that they fielded and and batted um, in that first game uh, was really impressive. So they're obviously they've obviously got the ability to if you, if you're able to beat Scotland in a game of cricket, then you're a decent team. So they've obviously got the ability to um, to make that step up. But whether it's a case of just building more consistency in their game, um, they obviously um, struggled against Namibia um, and didn't really seem to bother them too much. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go um, for the rest of their Cricket World Cup League Two series. Certainly, watching them over the over the four games, you're right. There were there were 
really good bowling unit led by Lamachane. Um, of course, Karen KC. Sompot Kami bowled really well uh, at times too. Um, and they were absolutely on it in the field. They were a really, really good fielding unit. Um, but it was it was with the with the bats. Um, there was the game against Scotland where they came out with that positivity to win it, which is what we hadn't seen the the game before against uh, against Namibia, and then we never saw again. And it was the lack of partnerships that that hurt them. As if Shea did his best. I mean, there was that seventy one against uh, Scotland, and he got a start in the the other games as well. But it was just there wasn't really anyone to build around him. Uh, his brother Arif contributed the the only other half century in the uh, in the tour. So it all depended on which which Nepal was going to turn up with the bat, and it, it kind of exemplified or, or epitomised by um, by the performance of um, Dipendra Singhari in the game against Namibia, the second game against Namibia where he came in on an absolutely horrible run of form. He couldn't buy a run. He got himself to 38, batting really, really well. Nepal were right in the game again. And then suddenly he turned for a second run that was never there in a million years. And from where Peter and I were sitting, we could we could have given it out. He was so far short of his ground and was, was run out. And from there, the wheels fell off. And so it's it's about back to what we said at the start of, of this it's about application it's about what scotland managed to do in that first game against uh, namibia and it's what nepal needs to learn to do they need to learn to build partnerships to to get themselves into a position where they can chase down targets or build good totals themselves so that was a long one from us about last week hope everyone's still here if you are see you next week bye-bye